0: fighter jets scream over the turquoise waters of the Aegean Sea. Naval battles between frigates and submarines erupt off the coast of Cyprus. Infantry units hop from island to island, fighting amongst the ruins of ancient Greek structures. This may be what the future holds for two Mediterranean countries that just can't seem to get along. The craziest part is, they're both members of NATO. What has caused Greece and Turkey to approach the brink of war, and what would happen if fighting ever did break out? In recent months, the leaders of Greece and Turkey have seemed to be at each other's throats. Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Çavuşoğlu has threatened Greece multiple times, citing the country's plans to expand its territorial claims further into Aegean waters. Turkey has gone on to say that if Greece goes through with its expansion, it could lead to war. These threats arose when Greek leaders announced they had goals of expanding their territorial claim around the island of Crete. This region has been a source of tension for both countries in the past, and this is just another wedge being pushed between them. As it stands now, there is an agreement that neither country will claim territory further than 12 miles from its land. As things continue to escalate in the waters of the Aegean, Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan warns that he has missiles capable of hitting Athens if need be. These are serious claims, which happen to be absolutely true. But how did two nations that belong to NATO find themselves at each other's throats? There is more to this story than Greece wanting to expand its presence further into the Aegean. Some of the reasons are understandable, others might seem a little absurd. Regardless, if conflict does break out between Turkey and Greece, it'll lead to unprecedented times. What will other NATO nations do? Whose side will they take? And what would it mean for the rest of the world? Let's start from the beginning. For thousands of years, the peoples of Greece and Turkey have been at odds with one another over territory. Before both Turkey and Greece became independent nations, their lands were part of multiple different empires. The ancient Greeks controlled much of the region at the height of their power, while the Persian Empire controlled the same regions at different times in history. Both countries found themselves under the rule of the Ottoman Empire, but in 1822 Greece gained its independence. Then, after World War I, Turkish nationalists rose up against Allied occupation and established the Republic of Turkey. Disagreements over land and ethnic identity have never really gone away between the two countries, and this boiled over into modern times. One main source of contention is the island of Cyprus, which lies right off the southern coast of Turkey. In the 1960s, fighting broke out between the island's Greek and Turkish Cypriot populations. For almost a decade, there were bloody conflicts on Cyprus and in 1974 the land was partitioned when Turkey sent its military to secure the northern third of the island in order to protect the Turkish Cypriot minority. At that point, both Greece and Turkey had forces on the island, and each threatened the other with war if they didn't back down. Cyprus is still separated, with the Turkish population in the north and the Greek population spread across the rest of the island. However, only Turkey recognizes the region it controls as the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. The international community, including Greece, formally recognizes the entire island as being the Republic of Cyprus. As of right now, efforts to reunify the population have come to a standstill. Tensions will remain high between Greece and Turkey until peace is brokered between the two ethnic groups. This means that Turkey and Greece are keeping a close eye on the island for the time being. Like many conflicts around the world, the one growing between Greece and Turkey is partially driven by natural resources. In 2020, Turkey ramped up its search for oil and gas in the eastern Mediterranean. Turkey watched as countries like Israel and Egypt were making huge sums of money off the natural resources along their coasts. Turkey wanted in on this lucrative business and started exploratory missions further and further away from their shorelines. The problem is that Turkey and Greece interpret maritime boundaries very differently. Greece claims that its maritime territories extend outward from its numerous Aegean islands. Turkey emphatically disagrees. This makes sense as there are 227 Greek islands in the region, many of which are only miles away from mainland Turkey. If Greece could claim its territory extended 12 miles around all of its islands, there would be parts of Turkey that would literally be within Greek territory. This is why Turkey argues that Greece's claim to offshore territory should only be measured from its mainland. Under the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, nations are allowed to have an exclusive economic coastal zone as far out as 200 nautical miles from their coasts. This is where the nation is allowed to fish, harvest marine resources, and drill. The distance between the Greek coast and the Turkish coast is a lot less than 200 miles. In these situations, the UN says that the two countries should come to an agreement, which obviously has not happened yet between Turkey and Greece. In fact, Turkey has refused to ratify the zoning convention that the UN has set forth altogether. Turkey maintains that each nation only has a claim to its legal territorial waters, which extend no more than 12 nautical miles off their coast. They also state that since they recognize northern Cyprus as a part of Turkey, They have a claim to the resources off of its coast where there just happens to be fossil fuel deposits. This has been a point of contention for the Republic of Cyprus and in turn the country of Greece. There will likely be a constant fight over the natural resources in the eastern Mediterranean for the foreseeable future, and this is one dispute that could very likely lead to a war breaking out between the two nations. Coming back to the numerous Greek islands, there are actually more tensions around them than initially meets the eye. In 1987, Turkey and Greece almost went to war over the right to drill in the Aegean Sea. Since then, both nations have claimed that they should be able to harvest the natural resources of the region, Greeks citing the proximity of their islands to oil and gas deposits, and Turkey claiming the islands hold no significance when claiming nautical territory. However, it is not just the seafloor that the two countries fight over, it is also the uninhabited land in the region. In 1996, the islet of Imia, or Kardak in Turkish, became a point of contention between the two countries. There are no significant natural resources on the island itself, but it seems that Turkey and Greece refuse to concede any split of land, regardless of how small to the other side. There is still no official agreement over who the island belongs to, and since there is no one living on the island, its ethnic identity can't even be considered. Turkey has been nervous about the expansion of Greek marine territory from their island shores for some time now. That's why in 1995, The Turkish parliament authorized the government to use its military if Greece tried to expand its territorial waters by more than 12 nautical miles. Along with restricting access to natural resources, Turkey also fears that if Greece controls too much of the Aegean, it might hinder Turkey's trade routes or its ability to move goods into the Mediterranean. But Turkey isn't the only one making questionable moves with its military decisions. The Dodecanese Islands were ceded to Greece by Italy after World War II with the stipulation that they remain demilitarized. Turkey favored this decision, as the islands lie only miles away from their coast. However, recently images have surfaced of Greek soldiers deploying to the shores of the Dodecanese Islands. This led to Turkey warning that if Greece kept a military presence on the islands, it could lead to a military response from their own forces. Greece claims that they were only carrying out a routine rotation of groups, but it does seem like they were intentionally poking the bear just to see how far they could push their luck by breaking the non-militarization pact of the island. With all of the ongoing squabbling over the islands and the waters in the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean, it's probably coming as no surprise that the airspace in the region is also highly contested. Greece claims its airspace stretches 10 nautical miles from its land, while Turkey says it only reaches 6 nautical miles. At this point, it seems like they're just looking for reasons to go to war. It's worth noting that Turkey doesn't claim that their land, air, or sea territory should extend beyond six miles from their own borders. What they want is for the area around the Aegean to remain international waters and airspace. Turkey definitely has made some questionable claims, but for the most part, it's not trying to incorporate the contested areas into its own borders. Turkey just doesn't want Greece to control the entire Aegean Sea, which seems like a reasonable request. Sometimes, when countries are threatening each other with war, we often forget about the local populations who are just trying to live their normal lives. I mean, just ask Europeans affected by the invasion of Ukraine. Until this is all over, an entire continent has to monitor its fuel consumption. Or next winter, millions will face freezing temperatures, debt, and extreme poverty. Wars just burn through resources so quickly it can leave the local population stuck with price inflation. It's happened after every major war in US history. But like I said a couple weeks ago, this time around is different. Between the pandemic, the invasion, and interest rate hikes, we're in a perfect storm for multiple markets to implode at once. So taking financial action now is key. And while most investment assets suffered their worst losses since the 2008 financial crisis in 2022, today's sponsor Masterworks paid out over $25 million in total net returns to their investors by giving them unprecedented access to an exclusive alternative asset class with historically strong performance. I'm talking about contemporary art, and now you can invest in shares of contemporary art from legendary names like Picasso, Banksy, and Monet in minutes for a fraction of the cost every Masterworks exit to date has returned a profit to investors like you. Just take a look at this performance, the results speak for themselves. With nearly 700,000 plus users, Masterworks offerings have sold out in minutes. They even had to make a wait list for new users, but I got special access for you guys to skip it, so click that link in the description right now. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan claims that the ethnic Turkish peoples residing in the Thrace region of Greece have been discriminated against for some time. The government has been accused of closing Turkish schools in order to assimilate the population into a more Greek-centric culture. The President of Turkey was so outraged by what he saw during the first visit of a Turkish head of state to Greece in 65 years that he demanded the Treaty of Lausanne be re-examined. This treaty is what ended the conflict between the Allies and the Ottoman Empire during World War I. Erdogan wants the revisions to include more rights for Muslims in Greece the leaders of Greece deny any type of discrimination has occurred within their borders. They also threw a jab at the Turkish president by mentioning how Greek Orthodox schools have been shut down within Turkey. It was also brought up how the current administration has converted Istanbul's Hagia Sophia, which was built as a Byzantine cathedral and more recently functioned as a museum, into a mosque. The structure has also served as a mosque, but the restriction of access to what is a UNESCO heritage site sent shockwaves through the global community. The most recent conflicts that have led to an escalation of tension in the region are the military exercises that Greece has been conducting on the islands of Rhodes and Lesvos. The two islands are incredibly close to the Turkish coasts, which has caused a lot of concern for Turkey's leaders. They claim that the deployment of troops to these islands is a violation of their non-military status as declared by international law. Greece claims that the only reason it sent military forces to the islands is because of the buildup of a sizable Turkish military force in the western part of the country. Greek leaders claim they are only defending themselves against a potential attack. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Which came first? A mobilization of Turkish forces or Greek forces? Either way, relations between the two countries have never been good, and anxieties only seem to be getting worse from the issues that have ensued for decades. Now, This begs the question, what would happen if a war between Greece and Turkey actually broke out? This would be an unprecedented situation, as both nations are members of NATO. The NATO Pact states that if war is declared against one of its members, then the other nations will come to their aid. But if both countries are part of the organization, who will get the support of the alliance? The scenario seemed so unfathomable that NATO agreement doesn't even address it. Article 8 of the North Atlantic Treaty states that each party undertakes not to enter into any international engagement in conflict. The whole point of the treaty is to maintain peace. Therefore, if Turkey and Greece start a war with one another, they both might be kicked out of NATO and left to resolve the conflict on their own. In this scenario, no other NATO nations would join the dispute, at least officially. However, since Greece is part of the European Union, things might become a little more complicated. The EU has the Common Security and Defense Policy, which means that if one of its members is attacked, the others will come to their aid. It's unclear what would happen if this policy came into direct conflict with the North Atlantic Treaty. But it is possible that other members of Europe might help Greece in a war. What it actually comes down to is who fires the first shot. In Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty it states, if a NATO ally is the victim of an armed attack, each and every other member of the alliance will consider this act of violence as an armed attack against all members and will take actions it deems necessary to assist the ally attacked. What this could mean is that if Greece fires at Turkey first, NATO might be under obligation to come to Turkey's aid as they were the ones who attacked the opposite's also true. However, this conflict may not have a clear aggressor, which would make NATO's decision on what to do much more difficult. If war broke out between Greece and Turkey, other NATO nations could just stand by and do nothing. If European countries decided to pick a side, the United States might not want to get drawn in. A scary thought is that a conflict between Greece and Turkey could tear the alliance apart, which could lead to other countries taking aggressive actions toward members of NATO. Or perhaps, while NATO is busy fighting amongst themselves, countries that have their sights set on their neighbors might take the opportunity to expand their borders. It's almost impossible to predict what would happen if Greece and Turkey went to war. But when we look at each country's military, one nation seems to have a clear advantage. Greek soldiers stationed on the islands close to Turkey have been keeping tabs on their military movements. Tanks, troops, and aircraft have been spotted at key military installations near the coast. A Turkish corvette patrols the waters of the Aegean. Both militaries are on high alert, and it doesn't help that the war between Russia and Ukraine rages just across the Black Sea. A Greek exploratory vessel scans the bottom of the seafloor, looking for any anomalies that might indicate there is oil or natural gas present below the surface. Suddenly, it picks up a strange reading. There is something large moving underneath the ship. A Turkish submarine rises to the surface, warning the Greek ship, That it's in international waters and does not have the right to drill unless there's an agreement made with the other countries in the region. A Greek frigate spots the submarine and the Greek vessel. It changes its course to investigate what's happening. When the Turkish submarine sees the Greek ship approaching, they panic. Miscommunication between the sailors and the ground forces make it seem like the submarine is under attack. Turkey decides to launch its fighter jets to deal with the problem. The aircraft fire on the frigate. War begins. The Hellenic army consists of around 385,500 people, only 130,000 of which are on active duty. They are informed that the war between Greece and Turkey has broken out. Much of the fighting will be done in the waters of the Aegean and the skies over the region, but the troops start preparing to launch an invasion into Turkey just in case. Turkish troops number at around 775,000 With about 425,000 being active. These soldiers prepare for an island-hopping campaign to seize control of the numerous spits of land that litter the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean. Turkey launches an air assault with the contingent of their 205 fighter jets. The majority of their air force consists of the F-16 Fighting Falcon, which was designed by the United States. These aircraft are deadly and are supplemented by almost 50 F-4 Phantom IIs. The Greek air force responds with 159 of their own F-16 fighting falcons, but they are vastly outnumbered. Turkey gains air superiority over the Aegean, which allows their invasion force to slowly push closer to Greece. Naval battles break out in open waters at the start of the conflict. Turkey has a slightly larger navy than Greece. The 13 armed frigates of the Greek fleet open fire on the 16 frigates and 9 corvettes of the Turkish navy. Ships are blown out of the water. Men jump overboard to escape the sinking vessels. Each side has about the same number of subs lurking in the depths of the Mediterranean and the Aegean waters. They are used as support for the ships blowing each other apart on the surface. The naval battles are also supplemented by aircraft launched from the mainland of both countries. The relatively close proximity of Greece and Turkey to one another allows for air and missile strikes to cross the Aegean and strike at the heart of their enemy. While projectiles fly through the sky and the navies decimate one another, Troops are being transported to various islands. The Greeks try and hold key positions as Turkish forces storm their beaches. Greek tanks patrol entry points on each island. Greece has approximately 1,365 tanks, 520 of which are Leopard 1A5 GRs. These German tanks provide massive firepower and are formidable against enemy infantry and armored vehicles. 590 self-propelled artillery vehicles are deployed throughout Greece, while another 729 towed howitzers are entrenched in key positions. The Turkish army loads hundreds of their 2,229 tanks onto transport ships, which bring them to the islands closest to the mainland. The armored force consists of 750 M48 Patton tanks, 355 Leopard 1s, and 339 Leopard 2s. Turkey has almost twice as many tanks as Greece, which means they'll have the upper hand if it comes down to armored battles. Their tanks are supplemented by 1,038 self-propelled and 2,107 towed artillery. Greece will have a very difficult time winning a land battle if the war makes it that far. Using sheer numbers, the Turkish forces slowly push Greece back to its mainland. Both navies have been decimated, and Turkey has maintained air superiority over the Aegean. Turkey now claims all the islands in the area. Its leaders wait for the Greek leaders to surrender. Invading mainland Greece would be next to impossible, as getting men, vehicles, and supplies across the sea would risk numerous acts of sabotage and a prolonged war that really wouldn't serve a purpose. After Greece is pushed out of the Aegean, Turkey has everything they wanted all along. Several scenarios could come out of these events. Even if Turkey manages to secure most of the islands in the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean, they will likely have to deal with resistance and partisan fighters who want to rejoin Greece. There would undoubtedly be civilian casualties, and it would be unlikely that Turkey could ever maintain full control of all the islands. Their hope would probably be to sign a peace treaty, giving them unrestricted access to the waters surrounding their nation and a demilitarization of the islands across the region. Turkey would almost certainly have the upper hand in a war with Greece. However, this would only be true if Greece fought alone. There is a real possibility that other European countries like France and Germany might come to their aid. Even if these nations didn't put boots on the ground, They would probably still send aid and military supplies to Greece. This could end up being a similar scenario as to what is happening in Ukraine right now, with Western countries sending aid to help the Ukrainian military fight off the Russians. That being said, other European countries might not have the resources to send assistance to Greece as they have invested so heavily in Ukraine recently. Therefore, if a war broke out between Turkey and Greece in the near future, Greece might be on its own. Even if Greece did have to go it alone, We know that the size of the military is not the best indication of how successful it will be in a war. For example, the Russian military was many times larger than Ukraine's, yet almost all indications point to a Ukrainian victory in the war. Could the same thing happen between Greece and Turkey? These two militaries are much closer in size than Russia and Ukraine, so it would all come down to strategy. The fact that most people on the islands in the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean identify as Greek means that it would be very difficult for Turkey to hold these pieces of land indefinitely. The war would likely end up being a constant back and forth of one military taking a set of islands only to lose it to their enemy as counteroffensive after counteroffensive is launched. The most influential aspect of the war would be NATO's decision on who to support. There is little chance that the rest of NATO would just let the two countries in the organization go to war, remove them from the alliance, and then wipe their hands of the whole situation. If conflicts broke out between Turkey and Greece, it is likely that the other NATO nations would step in to de-escalate the situation before it got too out of hand. If one country refused to stand down while the other was willing to enter into peace negotiations, it would make NATO's decision of which side to back much easier. Since NATO was set up as a peacekeeping force, it would side with whichever country was trying to peacefully end the conflict. This is likely one of the reasons why both countries are full of threats, but neither is willing to be the aggressor. Now watch, these countries are impossible to invade, or check out the fall of Constantinople.